we have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soul Fire production. Hello, dojo family. I am stoked today to introduce all of you and myself to Ailey Jolie, who is an incredible psychotherapist and writer that I have only encountered through social media. And she, her writing, her transmissions, the transparency, the rawness, the authenticity, the place from which they come, which I can really feel comes from her own integrous walk, her own, the walk of her own experience have actually changed my life in many ways. It's been supernatural. A lot of the content that she has put out, I've been following her for a long time now. And a lot of the content that she has put out, I, I believe that because it comes from that place that I'm describing of having actually walked the walk, it has been chill inducing for me and it has arrived in moments of my own life that I've needed certain messages the most. And Ailey, I don't know if you've known it or not, but you've been such and like an impactful energetic presence in my life as I've gone specifically through big heartbreaks over the last several years. And your channel, your writing, your transmission, what you bring has significantly impacted me in moments that I've really needed it the most. And Ailey and I started communicating via Instagram, which is like, you know, I have, I have a mixed feelings about social media for sure. But there are there are ways that I've just got to say the gram comes through here and there, right? Like, like I we just started messaging through Instagram and and felt such a familiarity, felt like we had we already know each other. We were voice noting and it felt so easy. And so now I feel so honored to have. Have you here on the podcast, Ailey. And before we started, uh, she and I went into a moment of intention and prayer, and I invited her to really tune into her deepest why for bringing her voice here to the dojo family. And we're all going to get to know this badass woman together and um, really, really understand more deeply the integrity that I can already sense in the places that you come from. And um, I'd love to hear your why and your deepest prayer at the bottom of your heart for being here today. Thank you so much. When you guided me into that, I noticed so much of my body is like, mm, yes, this is, this is what I, I wanted and needed today. Uh, there were a few layers of things that kind of came up as I settled more into myself, but um, the one that feels most potent and most strong and continued to radiate in my mind is just um, at the bottom of surrender, there's love. Mm. That you're know, kind of even saying that now it brings me, you know, into those deep moments of heartbreak of which I've had many. Um, 
and also really integrates into all of the work I've done with medicine and, and psychedelic assisted psychotherapy and you know how much those journeys and, and really learning how to surrender fully in the, the deepest and darkest and most painful places has taught me the most about love and, and the reason why we're all here and, and vibrancy and vitality and those concepts. Wow. Yes to that. So, <laughs> yes to that. And and I love it. It's wild the way our deepest initiatory phases in life, the pain points that we go through really so often are the propellers that lead us to the work that we are here to do in the world. Like we teach mm-hmm. what we needed to learn the most. And so now it's almost like I, I, I need to reverse engineer you here as at the leading edge of your life, serving as a psychedelic assisted therapist, which I want to almost end with that and get into the, the intricacies of how you're mm-hmm. serving and what that means to you at this point in your life. But first let's like rewind the script. So can you bring more, more specificity, like into your, into your early stages of your life? And like, what made you, you, like, what were some of those big turning points for you? Those death rebirth moments that create a woman that, you know, is really bringing a lot of the messaging that you are, which is it's direct. Like you have a fierce, direct, way of expressing yourself. And that's, that's, I think part of what I resonate with so highly. I'm like, wow, I read what you write. And I, and I, my system just is like erect and listening. I highly recommend you guys, obviously I'm recommending check out, check out Ailey's, Ailey's work. And um, yeah, I'd love to hear kind of what are the roots of you? Where did it start? And wherever you feel to begin. Totally. Um, I think a really like honest beginning because it gives context to the momentum in which I've moved through my life. Um, and I really honor that momentum comes and in the past really came from a, like a very traumatic, like wounded, like I, a compulsive place. Like I, it's so bad here. I will do anything. I will claw as much as I can to get out of this. Mm-hmm. And my, you know, the first like six years of my life, I experienced a lot of sexual abuse, a lot of exploitation and, and trafficking and a lot of violation. And one thing that I had during that time is that I had movement. I had dance. Mm-hmm. And so even though all of this sexual abuse was happening to my very young body, I always had an outlet. Mm-hmm. I always somatically connect. I could go into this place and move my body in such a way where I could process and integrate out. And I do deeply think that it uh, saved my life. And as, you know, I aged and I moved out of that and I got kind of lost in things like um, modeling and did a little stint as Miss Canada. And like, you just had like these strange, weird experiences, you know, there's me flying. I'm like, I'll use whatever I can to get out, you know, yeah. to experience a lot more sexual violation. And, and really um, one thing that I, I deeply have kind of taken in from being close and, and learning from Gabor Mate is kind of this, this predator imprint. And once you kind of have that imprint, it's kind of like a beacon in which people can sense your vulnerability. Mm. And that doesn't mean at all that you call it upon yourself or that you're worthy of that happening to you or any of that, any of that. I don't like get into the victim narrative, blah, 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 but it is kind of, you have this imprint or at least I did. And I believe that it does exist out there. And it kind of led me to continuously reenact my deepest pain. And, you know, I, I bring this in because I, I kind of got into a place of settling with my pain. I had done a lot of things, a lot of treatment, and it was all, it was kind of at bay, but it wasn't cleaned up. I, I like to describe it as like, I put it in a pinto box, like in the closet, like it was organized. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. So I want to, I want to just take one beat on this piece. What did you call it? A predator imprint? A predator imprint. Yes. Wow. I've never heard that term before. Okay. And you know, I, I've operated in the belief that, you know, when we choose to incarnate, we're seated with certain curriculum that we will, you know, magnetize, like we are the kind of the magnetic match for Mm -hmm participants, characters, situations, environments, familial systems in our life that are perfectly designed. It's like way too perfectly designed to exactly precisely bring up 
rattle up where our material is that needs love the most. It always comes down to love. And of course you started with just some bars that at the bottom of surrender is always love. I'm like, wow. So, you know, it's always, it always comes back to that. It's so cliche and also so not so the truth. And, you know, I wonder, I just want to jam with you a little bit around, is there a difference between like the idea that we come in and we have this curriculum that sort of extends throughout the whole course of our lives that, mm-hmm. you know, evolves as we do, right? Like as we get the lessons, you know, like then it's kind of, you move on to a new part of your curriculum cyclically. And in here, I'm hearing you say that like, I mean, I wonder if it's essentially the same kind of concepts that then you went, you had that, you had that experience of sexual trauma when you were young and then continued to attract those types of violations throughout your life. And I, I love the way I always speak to holding both poles of it's like, we're not a victim and you're really holding that pole of like the creator consciousness of, you know, that is a part of the perpetrator wounding I was holding. And so I was continuing to attract it. And there's the humanity of just like, wow, what that experience actually a violation, the imprint of that on a human body and a human being is so radical and deep. And I just want to presence like, wow, for anyone listening, who's been through sexual trauma. And I work with a lot of women who have been through sexual trauma in deep ceremony space. And it's really gets into the cells, you know, and it's like, there's this, I I wonder if it would bring value. It's like even describing what that was like for you to be in that pattern of having experienced sexual violation. Like what I've witnessed is almost like wanting to get out of your own skin, like not wanting to be there in the body and how that occurred. Like, how did that actually occur for you? So much of what you said, I'm so excited to jam on. So I'm happy we have more time. Uh Um, But absolutely, in my experience, kind of going through that really young and and being in like a high intense environment with ballet. Um, I did a little guest performance with the Royal Moscow Ballet. Like it was a part, it was a big part of my life. Mm. Um, And and with that kind of acculturation of those environments, you know, I learned very quickly and at a very young age how to repress any of my own desire. So by the time I was 18, 19 years old, had experienced um, some heart failure problems and was completely unconscious to the fact that I was living in every way completely in in anorexia. Like it was not even in my conscious awareness because that's how much I had just neglected any body-based sensation. People would touch me and I didn't even know what that felt like. I remember so vividly in my early 20s, I was 21, and I was leaving a lecture and I felt the cold wind on my face and I cried um, because I'd been in eating disorder treatment at that time. And it was like the first time I felt sensation on my face. Wow. 21 years old. And I was like, and I'm like, this is insane. And so, <laughs> wow. like, you know, for me, my recovery specifically from an eating disorder is a little bit different because it started so young that when I was recovering, I was so excited to feel sensation. Um, And this does tie in specifically to the kind of perpetrator imprint is because I was so disconnected from my body. Yeah. All of the rape and violation and abuse I experienced as a teenager. And I can, I can hold, this is my truth. And I do not put this on any client I work with. I know I had parts inside of me that were like, this time it's going to be different. Mm. This time I'm going to go to the club and I'm going to, I'm going to find him. And after he's done assaulting me, I'm going to get him to love me. Uh Like that's, that those were my parts. I had a little part Mm -hmm. that came out and was like, Oh, you want to play? I'll play, you Uh know, (laughs) and like very, very distorted relationship to power. And I can can own that. That is a part of my shadow and a part of this, you know, in spending so much time with, with men who were in pain, their yeah. pain is a part of me. And I learned lessons wow. about pain through that. And I can, I can hold that. Hmm. Wow. That is a powerful piece of ownership right there. There's so much freedom and liberation in, 
in ownership. And that also speaks to the depth of love and acceptance and compassion that you have met the, the, the woman who went into those clubs and, and, and acted in those ways because there's literally nobody else on the planet that knows her, understands her, gets where she came from and what she had been through more than you. And so it really like in order to be able to own with rested nervous system in your body, you know, in a public way, a shadow aspect, which is vulnerable. And I do a lot too. It's like, but it's also, there's such freedom in that because you've done the work now to embrace all of you, to embrace all of those parts, which gives permission. And I really pray it gives permission for anyone listening to explore, like, what are the parts, whether you would actually share those shadow aspects on a podcast or not, but it is kind of an interesting inquiry to sit with what shadow parts of myself could I become aware of that Mm -hmm. I would be totally unwilling to name in more of a a public way? Like, what does that actually say to the relative to our level of acceptance of all of ourselves, integration of all of ourselves? And that does indicate whether not that you need to name your shadows publicly always, but that there's, it's a good way to kind of target and hone in on, well, that feels like an area for me to love myself even more because the fear of sharing a part of ourselves in more of a public way reflects the the fear that it might not be accepted or loved or, you know, judged or rejected by the outside, which means that that's going on on the inside. So it's wild to see where we can kind of use those mirrors to see where we're at. So this is me learning about you and see where you're at. Thank you for bringing that. And it's powerful. It's powerful medicine. Yeah, it's for me, a lot of that journey and a lot of it was facilitated through um, my experiences with psychedelic assisted psychotherapy, mm-hmm. but also having like a very feminist background yeah. and being able to hold both. Like, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You should be able to, to, you know, I, I love this example from Dr. Holly Richmond of like, you know, if you're sitting, you go to a bus stop and you're naked and you sit down, like, of people are going to offer you a jacket and actually 3.7% of the population are going to sexually assault you. Like I should have been able to go to the club and look around and do the thing. And I, you know, they chose to assault and that is their choice. But in the exploration, I can look at my parts and explore, well, why was I there? I didn't deserve what happened. God, no, no one does. Mm -mm. But what was the stuff I was curious about? Yeah. You know, and that is such a place of empowerment for, for me it has been such a deep place of like, yeah, okay, I got, I got myself. Like I got me. I feel you girl. <laughs> I feel you. That's just so powerful. I really respect it. And you know, it's a situation, situations like the ones you're describing actually in some ways, like validate, like, yeah, you know, it's, it's easy to stay in the it, stick in the story of like, like I am the victim in that scene. Like yeah. I, I, this, I was wronged and it is not okay. Like it's, you can, there's that, there's a season and a phase for however long that takes. That could be tw- a decade of anger and frustration and resistance yes. and like processing all the humanity yes. of that. That's kind of the two poles I'm speaking of. It's like, I'm, I can imagine through the psychedelic work, there is a lot of the processing of just so for anyone listening, there's a balance, like getting through that. And I, and and I think that's a lot of the work that we both do is holding the space for a lot of that uh, human emotion that is valid to process (laughs) through the system. And then there comes a time where there, there's a turning point where staying stuck in that loop actually is not where the freedom lives for you. The freedom Mm -hmm. ironically lives in coming back home into our empowerment, our creatorship, and ultimately our responsibility across the board. Yes. And it's from there that you can access it. Yes. It's been really beautiful uh, to watch some of the clients I've worked with who kind of go into the anger and the rage and they're in that. And that's actually their dharma. Like their dharma is to like bring that forward in the world and be that strong advocate and be that badass. He's like, fucking that didn't, you didn't deserve that. That didn't mean to happen to you. And that's their freedom and liberation. And then for people for myself, it, it, that, that, that wasn't it. Like mm-hmm. I'm spicy and I'm direct, but like, I'm not going to be at the front of the protest shaving my head anymore. Like I've yeah. done that. 
totally. Okay. So this is, this is, you've, you've touched a lot of territories <laughs> in your life from, from Miss Canada to the ballet, to shaving your head in front of the protest lines, to psychedelic assisted therapy. And then we're just in 20 minutes into the episode. Wow. <laughs> and 20 minutes into our relationship. That's just beginning oh. feels significant, which I love. So Okay. So now we've, we're, we're, we're touching like, okay, the perpetrator wound and also just curriculum. Like you can imagine the perpetrator wound, you know, as, as Ailey named, that's kind of this magnetic field that's attracting more of the same into your field until you do the work around it, which then can loosen it up and release it, which is similar to, we can translate that to any territory of your curriculum, whether it's abandonment or fear of being judged or whatever. It's like, we get to work these, work these patterns on the the spirals of life, the seasons of life. And that's, these are the gateways, the areas we're most uncomfortable, closed and afraid of are the gateways to our freedom. So when it comes to now we're coming, looping back into your story, you were in the, the journey around the perpetrator wound and the sexual violation, and then how that started to lead to the next phases of your life. Yes. And I think actually in this piece, it's important to give a little bit of like details and context. Yes. So I had just moved from Toronto to Vancouver following a relationship and the relationship ended and I ended up experiencing a sexual assault by my RMT. It's like relationship ended, sexual assault happened. My past registered massage therapist. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it was very like deep, viscerally, and I was, you know, obviously very shaken by it. And so, you know, my pattern has always been to like be a runner. And yeah. so I booked a ticket to Bali and I was like, I'm going to go do this yoga retreat. Da, 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 da. While this was all happening, this is, and now I look back and I'm just like, oh, like compassion, like sweet angel, like you're fine. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> like but you know, I'm like, oh, whew, it was rough. Uh-huh. Um, while this was all happening, I was engaging for the first time in MDMA-assisted psychotherapy. And so in the course of, you know, moving across the country, a significant relationship ending, I loved this person so much. Mm. Uh, they're the reason why I became a therapist, truly. Mm. This assault happening. I'm in there, like, excavating, digging my deepest, darkest sexual abuse. And I'm just like, you know, like more MDMA, like let's, let's go. And I look back now and, you know, and reflect on the person who got on the flight and went to Bali. And I'm just like, oh my God, all of my shadow, all of my child parts, all of my most unintegrated stuff, which is pop it. (laughs) Yeah. And then I just made like a series of just like really bad life choices, you know, a a relationship where I was being cheated on and misled, but like, I didn't even notice because I'm like over there doing MDMA, you know, like healing and continue to progress until I found myself in a place where, you know, the relationship obviously ended, blah, 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 blah. But I was physically absolutely depleted in every way. And you know, at one point was genuinely like, am I going to live like this? What is happening in my body is so severe. I'm in so much pain. I'm bleeding. My uterus is like not happy. Mm-hmm. You know, is this the end? And, mm-hmm. and then I, I re-engaged with psychedelics with a very different intention. Mm-hmm. The intention wasn't to excavate or dig or restore or remember. I was really obsessed with remembering. Mm-hmm. The intention was to find love. Mm. And, and I had some really beautiful experiences of psychedelics. And then, um, I went into my relationship with ayahuasca, which has been quite deep Mm -hmm. and has never been kind to me. Uh, I mean, she's kind to me, but she's not gentle with me. And Mm -hmm. through multiple ceremonies I've done with ayahuasca, I probably, drank her medicine like 60 to 70 times like yeah. a lot like it's girl, you know I'm with you girl okay <laughs> I had a feeling I was like I think yeah and my experiences with ayahuasca if it's been a full dose microdose whatever it's been ayahuasca has always put me in the body of a perpetrator and made me feel the pain that they were in when they enacted harm on me wow and feel just that 
deep suffering and how what I was feeling in comparison is is almost minimal or not even comparable to the pain in which someone is in when they enact that type of harm. Wow. And that was such a deep uh, teaching for me and obviously really hard to integrate, um, especially, you know, because I have a, a, like a compulsive healing part that was like, maybe this time on ayahuasca will be different. And it was like, uh, nope, same thing. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, and so that has really been um, quite foundational in my relational history and 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 through all that kind of chaos of those two years with my health and then ayahuasca um it, you know I'm, I'm really grateful that I had some really beautiful men love me and have really amazing relationships since and and challenging ones too but um we've just been this continuing like integration of these wow. things yeah Wow. I just, I'm really <laughs> getting waves of rolling chills and I want to bring again, presence to this experience you had of, you know, so walking with being, being perpetrated upon being in the seat of the victim when you were young and through all your formative years, taking that ownership and then going into ceremony and, and experiencing yourself then in the opposite seat, literally as the perpetrator. And I believe you. I mean, there was a ceremony where I literally, I, the energy of the Jaguar, I became a Jaguar, like literally came into the system, sight, smell, sound, taste, touch, all became that of the Jaguar. I could smell the people on the other side of the room. I could lick my fangs. It was wild. So it's not a far stretch for me to imagine that you actually became the perpetrator, full, full embodiment. And so, yeah, let's, I want to go a little bit deeper into that. What, what was that experience like for you? I mean, the first ceremony I had, I woke up and at the end of it, and I was just so shattered, like so heartbroken because I didn't understand what it meant. It took me, I was like, does this mean that I'm this, that I deserved it. Like, I don't understand. Like, uh, wow. I, I didn't know how to hold it. But one thing ayahuasca said, like right before it really went under is like, you need to know the dark map of magic to know how to use it to create the brightest light. Mm. And that those words have been in every ceremony at some point. And I'm so grateful for them because, you know, the integration after kind of being in your perpetrator's body that kind of gave me a context of understanding like their mindset, what was going on. And one thing that is now I find quite beautiful, but the time was so unsettling, like being in their body, like seeing myself as they're assaulting me. The one thing that was always present in all of the ceremonies was actually seeing the hope in my own eyes that uh, as they were assaulting me, they could see that there was like love and vitality in, in me. And that's the thing they were trying to take. That was the salvation they were trying to grab. And that that was like, I was doing everything to hold on to that in my in my body as I was being assaulted. And, the, and that I did hold on to it. Um, and that 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 really yes. was like very confused. Like I came back from my ayahuasca ceremony and bless, bless the boyfriend I had at the time, amazing yeah. sir for like all the things, like, oh, so good. And I'm like in the closet crying. <laughs> and he's like, baby, what <laughs> Put you in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> Bless the good brothers, man. <laughs> Holding for all that Shakti. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Like I, I really felt you and you said, and I did hold on to it. Like mm -hmm. even irregardless of the multiple, multiple violations, I did hold on to it. And there's something that is unshakable and untakeable and resilient that lives inside of me. And it can't be, it can't, it literally can't be like, there's something about that. That's actually bittersweet and beautiful to have that tested, like to that degree. And that you come out on the other side, knowing that there is this part of you that quite literally cannot be taken, that won't roll over, that there's a resilient aspect of your love. And, and then I, I, what I'm seeing is then like that then becomes the seed from which everything else blossoms, like where you can say at the bottom of surrender is love. Right. And talk about surrender to actually take on the body of your perpetrator and then find in your own eyes on the other side of that love, 
now, now I think we're, now we're moving more into like, okay, so from that love, right. From that blossoming, what, what did it look like next? Like you're raw, taken down in closets, crying with your boyfriend, I mean, understandably so, but also there's that awareness now of this resilient part. And now this is, you know, I started the episode again, guys, you're getting to know Ailey with me. This is our first ever conversation. We said a prayer before we started. I was like, I just want to have our drop in on the podcast. Let's just do it on the podcast. And one thing I could track before knowing you at all based on your content, period is the integrity. And this, what you're describing is the integrity that I could feel in everything that you put out. And so now the life force that's generating, that's generative, it's again, the fertile soil. You guys feel that? Like these major initiatory places that we're in, it is helpful once you've been through enough of them. I mean, I'm, I think I've said this on the podcast before I'm 37. I'm not old, but I'm not like that young anymore. I've like lived enough life at this juncture that there's enough kind of life, death, life cycle experiences that it's helpful where I'm noticing the older I get, the more perspective I can wrap around the death, portals, like the heart, you know, and that's composting, you know, through our life as human beings, we are going to go through seasons. We're going to have death portals. And it's the awareness of this blossoming, the fertilization that comes from the winter periods and having enough experiences of deep winters that sometimes last for decade, a decade or more until that first big blossom happens, you know? And I feel like it's from that big blossom, that awareness of the resilience that can't be taken, that then can journey with you forward in, into the rest of your life trajectory. And then that awareness is kind of there when those next big death portals come, there's like a relic, a reference point of like, okay, I'm kind I'm dying, but I'm not going to die. And like, I, I got, there's a part of me that won't, you know, and no matter how much this hurts, like I'm also, there's that love at the bottom of this surrender, but you kind of have to get there first. And that first time is the scariest. And then the second time is kind of like, I hope this happens again, you know? And then it's like, then it gets a little more bouncy, you know? And you're like, okay, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, you know? Uh, yes, absolutely. I can definitely agree. And my uh, history would show that too. Yeah. Um, that was kind of like, I would say, you know, everything that happened, you know, in my experience of, of doing MDMA assisted psychotherapy in a not very contained way. And, you know, it, I take full accountability. Like I was blasted open and I was like doing the most like non-integrity things. Like yeah. I was just like running around like da, 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 and like, losing my cool. And like, I have a hot temper. Like imagine that unintegrated blasted at you. Mm-hmm. Not good. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I own it, you know, fully accountable uh, for those actions and the choices I was making at that time. And, and because I felt so like just splattered everywhere and it, that splattering, you know, yeah, there are some choices I made that were out of integrity and I could have picked up early on infidelity and not been so hostile when it happened and mm-hmm. grieved some of the things that were going on in the relationship, you know, solo instead of in partnership. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I really look at how blasted I was and there was no cohesiveness in my system. Mm-hmm. And that is one of the most painful feelings I've ever had mm-hmm. that it, you know, coming out of that, it was this really conscious, like, uh, I want to be aligned. Like, I want all my parts to come back. And if that means that I have to, like, I any experience of ayahuasca, I saw this man that I ended up being partnered with and all our shadows played out. And I look back on that, I'm like, if that means that I need to go down that, like, crazy, hot sex, amazing trauma bonded place to, like, gather some old parts of me again, uh-huh. I'll do Cause I, yeah. cause I know that I'm going to come back and be yeah. more alive, more, in, mm. more intensity and no more parts of myself. And that's essentially what I'm here for. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just, I mean, God. <laughs> it's like, it's so, con- I, it's so conflicting. I'm now just kind of coming out of the trauma bonding portal, I think. <laughs> and <laughs> every relationship I've had so far, I think that it's just like the hottest, hi, nice to meet you. 
I want to literally devour your face and your body. And within like a month, basically we're in, we're living together. It's like, just like the cosmos have collided. And that does create quite a, a comparative. I'm experiencing like a, a, this reference point of the sexual chemistry, like me being used to when I first meet someone, the sexual chemistry being so wild and, and that leading to multi-year relationships that then have completed. Right. And so I'm actually, I'm curious your perspective while we're on this topic. I, I, you know, have done a lot of deep work within myself over the last couple of years, specifically after a couple significant relationship, a significant long-term relationships ended. And I'm noticing now a, a bit of a differential, you know, when I, I feel attraction or attracted to men, I'm not experiencing that same kind of like collision of the cosmos. And there's a part of me that I'm, I still haven't landed fully around that. And like, you know, like to really, is this not the same level of like explosion because this is what, this is not trauma bonding. And we're both done the level of work to arrive in that place. It's just a new, it's an inquiry for me or how do you tell the difference? Or is this just like, we actually want more sexual chemistry. I'm curious how that's been for you. How do you tell the difference? I love this question so much because I'm like in the discernment of it. Um, so I've always been in relationship. It's been pretty like consistent in my life. And after this, like last loop with the person who I you know, feel comfortable going on the record, like the best sex I've ever had. Just, I know, like, like, so good. Okay. Was my last one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, coming out of that, you know, I and feel comfortable going on the out of that. It's like, whoa. <laughs> um, and, you know, there are a lot of like, you know, not so great reasons why it was so good, but it was good. Yeah, um, totally. Coming out of that and I developed these like really beautiful male friendships and I've always had amazing male friendships. And I started to kind of play with this idea of like, you know, am I at a place in my growth and, and with what I'm trying to create to experiment with casual sex? And so I thought of like all the things that I would need. And I was like, I have some male friends who I could do this with. And yeah. And I started to engage with it. And what I have experienced so far is, you know, that I can have that like amazing sexual, crazy chemistry, all of the things and not have the emotional dysregulation. And that's been a really interesting thing to play with and to feel and experience. And now I'm kind of, I am with someone, it's kind of, you know, other people that's having casual sex with one of them kind of developed into a relationship. And I was like, I never looked at this person and was like, you are going to be amazing in bed. Like never. But every time I'm like, mind blown. Like it doesn't have that dysregulation around it. And I think actually the experiences of engaging in casual sex and, you know, calling my girlfriends after when I'm like flooded with oxytocin and I want to bond, but I've like, you know, we've made a deal that we're going to stay friends and actually working through all that stuff in my system, all that kind of chaotic connection energy and knowing how to harness it and hold it is now letting me be in this new relationship. And we don't do that. Yeah. We don't kind of like, you know, the sex is amazing, incredible, but then we can regulate ourselves after. Yeah. So wait, what's, the that? what's the that that you don't do? The like after, you know, when you are flooded with oxytocin and adrenaline and you like want to know more and you like kind of go into that spinny spirally place that naturally happens after sex, both yeah. of us have consciousness to be like, we're just going to chill. Yeah. Interesting. And that kind of stops at least my internal uh-huh. kind of regulation and like uh-huh. chaotic sexual energy because I can have the amazing sexual experience and then have someone like me back down. Really? Totally. And there's something in that too. I suppose if you were having, you know, like a slow build, if you were having, you know, experiencing with casual sex and yes. then had a slow build with this man and it evolved in from a friendship into more, has yeah. the sex gotten hotter over time? Yeah, I don't understand how that happened. So it like, <laughs> it like built. 
it builds yeah. with the emotional safety and grounded yeah. type of now that's kind of the question I was asking. Yeah. It's just different. It's like, it's a different kind of come from that has less of a rush. It, yes. it has, but there's maybe deeper emotional intimacy and safety and, mm-hmm. and not, it's almost like flipping the coin from the physical chemistry and sexuality being like the front thing. That's like, oh, cool. Wow. This, this <laughs> alchemy is, makes it mean that this is a long-term partnership. And then you go into the long-term partnership and then the rest of the beautiful connection comes, but there's also this flurry of wherever there's the material that wants to come up, right. They kind of created that intensity in the first place, which feels really fun at first, you know, that it's like, it does. And then, but then there's like, almost like an ask to experience the other way where it's like actually building trust and connection and friendship and emotional intimacy and letting it be a slower burn and experiencing what that's like and seeing if the sexual chemistry ignites and like then gets greater and bigger. And, but it's almost like I'm seeing like a tree, like the, the roots of the tree, actually it goes deeper. So the explosion of branches can be wider and and more sustained and potentially like hold out, you know, it's longer lasting mm-hmm. because there's been energy given to the time it takes to build those roots, which often we use the language like friendship or intimacy, you know, or, or like emotional safety and things like that, which can kind of feel like to the part of us that's used to the trauma bonded explosion can kind of feel like kind of boring. You just like want to go right into that usual way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, there's kind of a flip that can, that's interesting to explore. Absolutely. And I don't think if I had had like the mindset of like, I'm going to go into my next relationship by first exploring friendship. Like I know in my system that would have not worked. I would have like gone out, saw some hot guy, been like, let's have amazing sex. And like, you know, and like there I would have been gone, but because I had been like really intentional that I wanted to be alone yeah, and that wanted to be single so I was developing all these really beautiful male friendships. And then I was like, okay, I've done this. Now let's play with casual sex. So it's like, yeah. okay, we've added that in. Okay, uh-huh. now let's play with the relationship again. Wow. And it's yeah. been this like beautiful process. Whereas I know in my system, if I had just, if I'd said to myself, well, we'll just be friends with people first. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't have that much impulse control. Like, uh-huh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> I you, girl. Okay. So wow, we're done. <laughs> It's, it's, yeah, this is so, so fascinating. And it's also relative to the relational growth, you mm-hmm. know, that comes from these relationship experiences that were so deep and intense and beautiful and important and essential and real, you know, wouldn't change a thing actually. And, and ouch, you know, like <laughs> ouch. heartbreak is really painful. And this this is the territory that your content has mm-hmm. impacted me most when it comes to, you know, relationship and um, a lot of like female empowerment connected to relationship and just like sharp truth, you know? And mm-hmm. so can you tell us more now? So we see you that that blossom occurs right as you kind of repattern the perpetrator wound by becoming the perpetrator that shoot shot up the blo- you know that love at the bottom of surrender became who you are how you walk new types of relation then your attractor field shifts so you're attracting mm-hmm. relationships that are of a higher match to who it is that you've become because that perpetrator wound is no longer attracting the same type of thing. So then you're walking now in relationship and you named, you've been in back-to-back relationships essentially for your life, which you're, you know, like you're a magnetic woman, no surprises there. (laughs) And that's also the integrity that I feel like you've been making a careful study of polarity and masculine feminine dynamics for most of your life. You know, it's, it's so much less about, I mean, it's definitely, I honor what we learn in the books and what it's taken for you to become a psychotherapist. Fuck. Yeah. And, 
even more so in my system, I honor the places where you are not necessarily going into a state of recalling something that you've been taught, but rather speaking from the immediate channel of something that you're embodying based on your experience. And so everything, as I'm getting to know you, everything you're sharing is just affirming my sense from what I felt in you. So we see you in, you know, relationship to relationship, making a careful study in that way. And then how did it, how did it all unfurl into the work you're doing now connected to relationship with psychedelic assisted therapy? What, like, what's that journey been like since the shoot came up and the blossoming's been happening? Yeah. So after that, and kind of, I, I did kind of was really in that psychedelic world. Um, Worked for some time at Numinous, developing protocols with ketamine and doing a little research assistance with like psilocybin. And then I kind of got to this point in my journey of psychedelic assisted psychotherapy where I started to really look at how, you know, fragmented it had made me, how it, I, you know, kind of blew me open. And I, and I really stepped back and I started to like really take an account of like, you know, all all the things that had happened due to the fragmentation mm. and then kind of found myself really um, in long-term depth, like psychoanalysis, like yeah. I love psychoanalysis. Uh-huh. Like, Me too. My mom and my dad and they're my two analysts and I see them and it's like, and that has been for me like the most potent thing I think I've done and that I've allowed myself to do which is be fully seen, which is to show up to my analysis and say, you know, I fucked up. Like I was in relationship with this person and like, here I am texting X, Y, Z again. Like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. Why is this happening? And really in those two relationships, de-armored myself and all my protectors and all of the stories of who I thought I needed to be in this, that, and de-armored myself in the way that psychedelics had taught me. Mm-hmm and shown me and showed up relationally to both of those people mm-hmm. and was really witnessed. And that's kind of when I really noticed um, shifts and change start to occur in my ability to let the rest of the world see me and my ability to use my voice and, and speak in those ways. And, and now I'm in this place um, where it's, you named polarity. I'm and like, kind of like blunt truth. I'm writing a book on masculinity and it's all, these concepts of, you know, my female friend, Sarah, who's a therapist, when I told her about the book, she's like, isn't that kind of swallowing the sword? Um, It's a lot about like, you know, women's internalized misogyny, malevolent sexism, um, and how women, you know, end up being complicit in some of the exact systems they're trying to dismantle. Um, So it's, that's kind of where I found myself now. And it comes you know, through those experiences on ayahuasca and having to be in my perpetrator's body and feel yeah. what he felt and, yeah. and reconcile that. So is it mostly oriented around women who are experiencing sexual trauma or can you give us more, um, more specific examples? Yeah. Yeah. I'll actually give you like a, like a chapter example. And we're doing my somatic experiencing training in Montreal. And I showed up to the training and we like went for lunch. I was with all my colleagues and I was like in this story. And I was like talking about this, like hot actor guy I was dating and like, blah, 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 blah. And like, he cheated on me with my friend and like, and and I was like, what an asshole. And my friend just looked at me and she's like, wow, you must have a lot of internalized misogyny to accept that behavior. And I was just like, ghost, like, wow. like, I didn't even know what they were talking about. Cause I was like, you're supposed to validate that he's bad and wrong. Yeah. I took that to my psychoanalysis and, you know, explored how, you know, underneath all of this feminist rhetoric that I had taken on through being really engaged in advocacy around sexualized violence underneath all that stuff was a lot of the mainstream narratives we have about a woman's work. Mm. And that, you know, I had actually swallowed and internalized a lot of that messaging that I'm, that I'm not worth it or that I am deserving or that to get proper treatment, I have to do X, Y, and Z. And that mm. because that stuff was in my system, it was making me more susceptible to being treated like that. And then, and then what do I do with that? I can't change him. I, I can't do anything about that. 
but I can look at how those things live in my system and in my body and in my mind. And knowing that they do, how do I position myself in such a way where they don't get activated? Mm. Or I'm around people who also know that those exist and that we're going to work together to kind of dismantle and disproof the beliefs that exist around women in the world that women don't have worth. And so that's just kind of, it gets into kind of those types of stories. I I'm like a lot of the book, I'm like swallowing my own sword. I'm just like, Uh do I really have to tell this story about the other hot actor I, you know, dated who did X, Y, Z, but I do because, you know, that's how my relationship to myself and my sense of power has become very clear and less distorted. Yeah. I respect that's one of the things I'm growing to respect in you the most. And in it's compounded by, I also very much respect teachers, facilitators, leaders, therapists who hold a space of invitation through their own vulnerability, through their Mm -hmm. own walk, through their own experience. And so, you know, I feel like as a human collective, a human family, it's very important that we don't kind of high horse ourselves. And there's a, I really appreciate the way that you're willing to walk in the humility and vulnerability of your own life experience, which in some ways um, creates a very safe space for others who resonate, relate, and have been through a lot of the same themselves. And a lot of the pieces you're bringing up are going to evoke questions and inquiries and considerations that we wouldn't even consider or think about. So no. how does it how does this how does this piece tie into your passion and work around connected to relationship? Yeah. And women in relationship and men in relationship and heartbreak. And you're a woman writing about masculinity. And like there's a lot that all ties together. So what's the North Star there and the aim? And like what really lights your fire connected to uh interpersonal relational dynamics? Oh, there's so many ways I could answer that question. So just give us a few. Down my mind. Um, so much of my North Star has been witnessing the men in my life um, not have the resources or opportunity or privilege to find healing in the way that I have had as a woman. Mm. When I look to the world, there are so many resource centers uh, for women who've experienced domestic violence, sexual abuse, eating disorders. And when I look to resource centers for men in Canada, we actively, I think, only have one now for male survivors of sexual abuse. So that's just like in my system, just so soul crushing because I look and I and I've, I've worked with sexual offenders and I just go like if they had had resources like da, 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 da. And being a psychotherapist who works with women and I feel like I use this kind of analogy often, I feel like I'm like in the ER, like stitching up the wound, but there's like still like people running around with machetes. And I'm like, I'm, I'm really tired of stitching up wounds. Like I can do it. I know I'm good at it, but like, I want to figure out why you're running around with machetes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Like why? It's helpful that ayahuasca literally made you the man with the machete. Exactly. No (laughs) wonder that was your experience for 50 ceremonies. Like, wow. What yeah. a guide, what a guidance system towards your dharma and a unique one at that to hold for them the brothers and and support them and from a place of integrous embodied empathy that mm-hmm. is one in a million billion for a, a woman to actually have had the experience of embodying the perpetrator, which by the way, anyone listening, if you feel called to practice create a practice for yourself around something like that. I could imagine a gestalt practice where, you know, someone who's experienced sexual violation, you could sit in one chair, put two chairs across from one another. And actually this would be uncomfortable. You'd have to have already processed a lot of the emotional trauma and process there. But if you feel ready for it, and only if you feel ready for it, seeing a city, calling in the energy of the perpetrator in the chair across from you and seeing that perpetrator sitting there and then speaking from your own chair, whatever went unsaid, whatever you wish you could have said, and then, or whatever's still alive now, and then switching seats and actually embodying, calling in that, that energy of the perpetrator and embodying that energy of the perpetrator and speaking as that one and moving as that one and responding as that one 
and actually experiencing yourself in that way and seeing how that occurs in the body and then potentially switching seats again and speaking again as your higher self, your human and feeling how that felt and seeing through the eyes, maybe calling in your higher self. See if you can see through the eyes of your higher self and see how someone's speaking, moving, acting as that where they're hurting and where they're unhealed and where they have not yet forgiven and where they have not been able to process their own shame and where they may have been through their own sexual trauma and on and on and on, you know? So just honoring that you've been there for real, for real. Yeah. And it's something I actually saw in my first ayahuasca journey was like really working with men. And at that time, I really had no idea what that, what that meant. And I'm, and I know it's, it's so controversial and I, I would have, you know, five years ago, not understood this. And I, even in my own system, I don't necessarily have a positionality of like needing to forgive men or love men or blah, 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 men. Like, I don't, it doesn't really matter to me what you do with your experience. What matters to me is how it lives inside you right now. Mm. And, and, and exploring how that may actually be stopping you from living the life that you're most deserving of and having the love that you really, really want to have for yourself and for others. So, you know, I always kind of preface that, like, I don't care if you forgive them or not. Like, that's not, job. Like, I don't know, like you do you, what I care is how you're relating to yourself. That's true. That's true. And what's the, what, what in the, in the process of your own experience has given you the capacity to hold for the ones with the machetes? Has it for you, for you personally, not that this is a prescription for anyone. And I want to name too, with the gestalt practice, like it might be good to have a third party, a facilitator in your present, uh, like a, a neutral observer, someone who's present with you through that process and can hold for you. And I do think it's important to weave in, like maybe that forgiveness isn't there. Maybe that forgiveness yeah. isn't meant to be had, you know, but there's something around what I'm witnessing in you and the ability to actually work with the ones with the machetes that you're, is the way that we're kind of naming it. There's a, there's a important journey that you've taken in order to get there considering the history that you've walked. So for you, has it occurred like forgiveness? Like how, how has that looked for you specifically? Um, uh, there's two parts to my answer. So um, when I was kind of going through all this like disintegration after my MDMA and this like giant relational trauma in which I showed up in all these like crazy, crazy kind of fragmented ways. I use air quotes because I don't mean to, you know, use the word in a derogative way, but like in my system, I was showing up super frantically mm-hmm. and just scatteredly. And during that time, actually around the end of it, I was working with male sex offenders which yeah. was like not helping the situation at all. And I remember coming into this, this one session with a male offender and my entire system, like all, which is like flooded with sexual arousal. And I was like, what is going on right now? Yeah. Like he's telling me about his sexual abuse of children and I'm flooded with arousal. Mm. And I was like, this is so interesting. And as I, you know, explored the transference and I got really good supervision and did it. It actually taught me about that imprint that I had been walking around up until that point in my life, very confused that arousal, what I thought was arousal was actually my threat response. And that was such a gift, such a gift because it then allowed me to move through the rest of my life since that day, whenever I get that strong of a feeling to pause to question myself, to ground, to grab resources, to not get lost. And I feel almost indebted to the gift that man gave me by sitting in that room and just seeing what he had done and the abuse he had endured and the abuse he had inflicted on other people because it allowed me to learn something about my system. Um, So that there's, there's a little bit of like kind of feeling like he get, there was such a gift kind of in that interaction and what I took from it that I feel like I need to kind of move that forward in the world a little bit uh-huh. as much as I can transmit that. Yeah. And then the second piece is around ayahuasca and just, I've had a, like so many ceremonies around the relationship or in the non-relationship I hold with my father and the ways he, you know, deeply harmed me. And also what ayahuasca continued to show me like, yes, all this harm happened, 
And there are things that he did to, to not be in your life, to be around less, to, you know, just kind of remove himself so that you had space to be free and kind of break this pattern. And so ayahuasca has never led me into a place of forgiveness, but it has led me into a place of dual awareness. Mm. I think for me that, that I'd much rather be in that place of just being able to hold both to honor both, to be in the tension of that and the Mm. friction of that and just be like, Mm. it's both and. Wow. This is super expansive for me as well. Um, With some of the women that I work with, we were looking at uh, father wounding and doing some really deep embodiment work around father wounding. And for some of them, it was really, really hard you know, to find a place of forgiveness, you know, and in any authentic way, like the whole system was just like, no, you know, no. And part of the practice was, you know, a whole journey and, you know, rewinding all the way through their father, their own life, back to the womb, to the father, the moment they were born to all the way back through his life, to the moment he was born with his father, there, present at birth, all the way back through his father's life. And just really holding this perspective around his journey and then all the way through to the version of him before he went through his own experiences and being present with that version. And for many of the women, they were able like in tears, just able to see their father as a baby and like him at two years old and three years old and the environment that he was in and the environment that he grew up inside and where he wasn't given the opportunities to do the healing. And there was so much breakthrough around for many of them, not for all of them around just feeling the original innocence there and, and, and experiencing compassion in the face of some of some really horrific experiences with their dads. And there's that wounded place that started to loosen yes through the energy of compassion and forgiveness and perspective and understanding and for some of them it just was not accessible on at that moment and what you're naming here around dual awareness like of course that's okay we don't want to force it it gets to take as long as it takes and that's where we stand right with it now it's like it takes as long as it takes there's no rush you don't have to be anywhere other than where you are when it comes to forgiveness and the framework of holding, cause, cause also many of the women can see, they can like see the point of the practice and like, they can like track, right. That, that dual awareness. And yet still, there's still a no to that. There's still not a, a readiness, a ripeness or an authenticity to actual forgiveness. It would be a show, you know? Mm-hmm. And so just that language dual awareness was actually really powerful for me to receive as a context. Um, as a framework, you know, when we are working with really deep trauma and like, you know, experiences that are violating and everything in our system is in full rejection of like there, there's a beauty and a simultaneity of like the embodiment, the awareness of um, compassion, but then also the full permission for it to like not be okay. But the lesson that's in that, which I hear you describing in this experience with the the um, sexual perpetrator that you sat with. And that's really interesting that the sexual arousal that you felt through transference was your body's threat response. Yeah, that's incredible. Like powerful awareness. And so do you track that when you go into sexual experiences, like with male partners, how do yes. you, how does that work? How is that? Yeah. I'm so grateful for the psychotherapist I had at the time because, you know, they were able to explore that with me and hold it. And we had a relationship where I could show up and just have like no judgment around that, which is yeah. like, bless, like bless them. So amazing. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then through the, that work with that person, then it became an exploration of like really conscious kink and really conscious BDSM. And I had been in those environments in my early twenties and like, I'd done a lot of that stuff, but it was really disintegrated and disembodied and like, yeah, I'm kind of doing it because that's what I thought I should do. And mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of body sensation. So it'd take a lot for me to feel anything. Yeah. And so then it was this place of really exploring with that and 
and, you know, wanting to explore that kind of aggressiveness and that tension. And, and I am so grateful. This is the same partner who like, having, you know, got in the closet with me and took care uh, of me after Alaska. Uh-huh. Uh, when I was going through this experience and shortly after, you know, and I was naming, like, I, I want you to have sex with me in this aggressive way. I want you to like pin me down and da, da, da. And I was like naming all this stuff. He just looked at me and he's like, I love you. I'm not going to do that to you. Mm. And I, and, and, and in that there was this complete softening and it created this space where I could start to learn sexual attraction and arousal Mm. without fear and without a threat response. Mm. And it was, and it was, it was hard like for us, like, Uh and it was hard for him because he's gorgeous. Yeah. And like all the things, you know, yummy surfer, like the little, but like, it was really hard. And I'm really grateful that he could kind of, you know, be with me in that and explore that. And, and then I had partners later who, you know, I went back into the kink place and explored that with consciousness, but it, mm-hmm. it was different because I could then go into both. Uh-huh. And I think that's, again, like that duality, I, yeah. that's not the only way I could have sex was through that, like threat response, fear stuff. I also had learned this other thing. Ah, uh, that's pendulum switch. Yeah. So, so powerful. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've like fully <laughs> fallen in love with you throughout this whole episode. <laughs> Just the, the territories that you're covering, willing to go, and your like your ease that you've earned, you know, through your own work that you've done within yourself. This is again where I started. I, it's that beauty of that integrity to be able to bring forward these territories, right? Like I can really feel the healing power of conscious kink and like being really aware of that and not needing it to be the only way that you can get, get there. Right. And so it's like, where are you coming from when you're, when you're moving into these places? And it's so important to kind of track that, you know? Wow. Okay. So it is, it's time to land the ship. An hour went by so quickly. (laughs) I, I really, I hope this is the first of a series of episodes with you. This was so amazing. I'm personally going to go back and listen. I'm so grateful for your wisdom and all that you're bringing. Thank you for the medicine that you share, the content that you share and the way that you've impacted my life and the lives of so many. So I'm really excited for your book and all that's coming out through you uh, in the near future. And I'd love to invite you to share, um, you know, any way that anyone listening can find you. Yeah, just my name, like Ailey, A-I-L-E-Y, J-O-L-I-E, Ailey Jolie. You can find me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. That's my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing tricky about either of those two things. Keep uh-huh. it <laughs> Great. And when is the book coming out? Um, probably within the next year. So I'm in like the doing edits and stuff, publisher, all that fun stuff. Amazing. Yeah. Great. Congratulations. And everyone listening, follow this woman. You will not regret it. She'll become one of your favorite, you know, in in, invitations, expanders, and just really integrous embodiments of love. So thank you, Ailey. This was such a pleasure. And to all of you listening, thank you for the depth of your presence. And I so look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at Zahara Zimring, and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart. Leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.